start the launch sequence. Are your kids ready for life after school? Let's get them ready. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Episode 7 of The Launch Sequence. I'm your host, Bill Priestley. It's great to have you here as we look at the path, the sequence of events to help your child get the keys to launch their careers. Hope you've had a good time in our absence and that things are going well for you this week. I'm very enamored with today's episode because we can start talking about that conversation about career in very meaningful ways, where we aren't laying down the law and telling them what to do. They aren't slamming doors and threatening a mutiny. Working together towards a solution that your child can use to find and go after a career that they want. Now, what I have planned for you today is the first part of a mini course. The second part comes in the next episode. This is an exercise that you can do on your own. Test drive it, if you will, before you unleash it on your teenager. This is something that anyone can do at any age if they're looking for a vocation or something to do in retirement or if you're looking for a job because you're not enamored with your current job or possibly you got laid off and you're looking for work. This is something that you can do as well. So let's take this thing for a test drive and see what we can come up with. But first, let's start at the beginning just to make sure we're on the same page. You must remember that all basic job descriptions, again, we're talking about descriptions, not job titles, are the construction of a noun or an interest and a verb or an ability. These two things create the primary responsibility of the job in question as well as the context in which the job is done. For instance, math teacher, interest in math, ability to teach it. We really just can't say that we want to be a teacher because there's no context in terms of what we want to teach. Likewise, I can't just say mathematics Though you might infer that I would compute mathematical equations of some sort, there needs to be a direction and an action around the subject. I could be a rocket scientist or a physicist or even someone maybe who designs roller coasters. So how do we figure out what these things are in our lives, our interests and our abilities? The secret to discerning these things is in the questions that we ask. And that's where we're going today. So let's get back to our triangle that we designed in episode six. And again, if you haven't listened to the other podcasts leading up to this point, go back and do so just so we're on the, all on the same page here and you can understand the methodology as well as the structure of what I'm saying. So we've got our, our Sosceles triangle. We've got our interest and ability on the bottom angles. And then the purpose is at the vertex at the top. Let's start with the interest angle. Now, the easy thing to do here is just ask a person, what are you interested in? Or, in what are you interested, might be the question from your English teacher. The question is practically impossible to answer because of the sheer breadth of the answers that can come out of it. It's very much like looking out on a meadow and me asking you to please pick your favorite blade of grass. Or, it's like me asking, which one of the 3.2 trillion Wikipedia pages is your favorite? Now, some people have an answer for that kind of question, and some people have that answer readily available. These are people that are generally envied because they found a life's work or a strong interest, but there might be a reason as to why they've succeeded in finding it and where we haven't succeeded yet. Think back to our earlier podcast when we talked about puberty being a time where you really have to watch your child and what they're interested in. If they get hooked on something at that age, it might be space travel or electric guitar or architecture or animal health, that's what their answer is going to be. And some kids know this, and their parents know it too. 
We couldn't stop Johnny. He just loves cooking too much. Angela's love for acting is insatiable. She just has to find a play to be in. Draymond can't stop working with electronics. We have to pry him away from his kids if we need to take him somewhere. You probably know one of these kids or teens or adults that seemingly has an insatiable interest for something. And if your child is one of these kids that just goes after one specific thing almost all the time, you probably got something pretty close to the answer, if not the answer itself. But for the rest of us, it's a little harder. So we have to ask a different question. And that question is this. So listen carefully. What can you talk about for hours on end and not get bored? One more time. What can you talk about for hours on end and not get bored? Think about this for a second for yourself. It's that thing that gets your attention. It's the thing that you just started thinking about when you want to take a rest from something else. It's where your mind goes when it's relaxed. It's the thing that you'll binge watch shows about or look up stuff on the internet. It's the stuff you want to read about, talk about, research, but most of all, think about. An interest like that is the catalyst that ignites an intellectual pursuit into the mode of discovery. Let me say that again. An interest like that is the catalyst that ignites an intellectual pursuit into the mode of discovery. The greater the payoff and satisfaction of learning about this interest, the greater the interest. Now, keep in mind that there can and probably should be more than one answer to that question. If we aren't completely fixated on one specific topic in our lives, multiple answers should come up. Some may be serious, some may be fun, some may be necessary, some may be completely non-serious. I'm looking at you people that binge watch Gilmore Girls over and over and over again, but they all count if they can hold your attention for several hours without a break. If you remember back when we talked about autonomy, the desire to think about something in the way you want to think about it, that's what we're talking about here. What are the things that you want to think about in the way you want to think about them? Okay, so that's step one, identifying those things that interest you through the fact that you want to think about them in the way that you want to think about them. Those things that you can talk about for hours on end and not get bored. Step two is a bit trickier because we're going to go to the other side of that triangle and look at abilities. Remember that a basic job description is the combination of an interest or noun and an ability or verb. Interest in math, ability to teach it, equals math teacher. You get the drill. You've heard that probably too many times from me already. So identifying your own abilities is quite honestly one of the most difficult things a human being can take it upon themselves to do. It is next to impossible, unfortunately. You might think that you are good at something and then someone else really displays a skill for that same ability. I remember taking piano lessons and I remember learning the basics. But just after that, I remember trying to play pieces and just not doing well. I knew that I wasn't good and it sounded bad. Thankfully, I did push through and I became a decent piano player myself. But one of my strongest memories is listening to some of the rock and roll piano players of the 1980s when I was growing up. Elton John, Billy Joel, Bruce Hornsby. Then there was one song that I heard and I thought, I'll just, I'll, I'll never be that good. Billy Joel has a song like that, an instrumental, by the way. It's called The Root Beer Rag. Go Google it. Listen to it on YouTube. It's mind-bogglingly fast, incredibly syncopated, and just extremely difficult. I heard that for the first time, then I listened to it many more times, and if you're creative, you've had this experience. I thought there's no way I'll be a rock and roll piano player because there's not even a chance in heck I could do that. Even more so, I didn't have the mind to write something like that, so I couldn't even wrap my head around it. 
Now, there were a lot of good ideas going on in my head at the time. Was I good at this? I thought I was good, but I'm not Billy Joel. The point that I'm trying to make here is that I didn't know how good I was. And that's the perspective you kind of have to take if you're evaluating yourself. You really don't know. You could be great. You could be not so great. But you really don't get to be the determining factor in that. Quick example. Most people, when asked who was the greatest American president, might say Abraham Lincoln. One of the interesting arguments historians have about this is, would Abraham Lincoln be the greatest president if the Civil War had never happened? The point here is that Abraham Lincoln had a chance to be the greatest president of all time because of the situation he was thrown into. Some say because of his election, the South seceded, just because he got elected. But he managed to get through a war and bring the country back together when it could have easily been torn apart. But another point has to be made here. Lincoln never set out to be the greatest president of all time. He simply tried to do the best job that he could under the circumstances he was presented. And that's the same situation for you and me in anything that we do or that we try to do. So when it comes to abilities, we can self-diagnose all we want to. But really, we'll get a better idea of what we're good at relative to our peers by asking someone who knows us really well and someone that can see our situation from the outside looking in. What I would do is that if you know something is a strong ability for you, go ahead and write that down. But I would ask someone else. Now, here's an interesting caveat. I would not necessarily ask a parent because parents can be very biased towards safety of their children. They usually don't want children to do something dangerous or admit that children should do something they think they shouldn't do. I would rather ask a teacher, a colleague at work, a close family member, a friend of the family, someone who knows you well, maybe perhaps at your place of worship, and I would ask them this question. What would you depend on me to do for you? Or, what task would you depend on me to do for someone or a group of people in the world? By asking that kind of question, you get a chance to hear what someone else would trust you to do, meaning that your ability has value to them. And that value means that you can be paid to do it. Right, that's the point of a skill. You're not paid for what you know, but for what you can do with what you know. Think about that for a second. Let's say there's an asteroid headed towards Earth and you're working for the United States Department of Defense. No one knows how to stop this thing, but you've done so much more research on it that you know every bit of this situation there is to learn. Someone asks you, can you help us in stopping this asteroid from hitting Earth? Yes, you reply. So do it, they say. And you can't do anything. You can't even tell someone else what to do. That's what happens when you have all the knowledge and none of the skill. You know the answer, but you can't do anything about it. Now, here's where things also get a little complicated. When we talk about interests, we talk in a binary format. Either you're interested in something or you aren't. Either you're very interested in something or you aren't. Either you can talk about something for hours on end or you can't. It's pretty cut and dry. Abilities don't have to meet one criteria when picking a career. They have to meet three criteria. Listen carefully. Number one. The ability has to be something you can do or something you have a desire to do. That's what keys into this idea of mastery that we talked about with abilities and intrinsic motivation. The key here is that you need to be able to do something to bring value to someone else. If you can't do it, you don't bring value. Therefore, someone probably isn't going to pay you to do something that you can't do. 
So if you want to answer this question, how do I know if I'm good at something? Ask someone else, are you good enough that someone else would pay you to do it, even a little bit? That will show you, more often than not, what your skill level or value is to someone else with regard to that particular skill. Number two, you need to want to be able to get better at it. Now, there's a little bit of a caveat here because I just said you need to be able to do it, which is true. But regardless of if you aren't that good at it or if you are deemed a master of a skill, you still need to want to get better at it. If you're motivated to do something, you don't care if you get a kickback out of it. But if you also want to do it, you're also intrinsically motivated to master that skill as best you can. Violinist Itzhak Perlman was once asked how long it took him to master the violin, and he replied that he still hasn't mastered it, and he's still trying to get better. That's the kind of attitude you want to have. Even if you're the best in the world, you still want to get better. And number three, the ability has to be something that you can do for other people. Eating isn't something you can do for somebody else, but a lot of us, of course, love to do it. But unless we're the food taster for the king to make sure that his food isn't poisoned before he eats it, chances are no one is going to employ us to simply eat for them. The good news is that most abilities qualify for this rather easily, so whatever you come up with should be okay. Just make sure that you can do it for somebody else. It's also important to figure into this talk about abilities that we need to include passive abilities as well as active ones. Those would include things like listening, consoling, analyzing, calculating, things that don't even require you to move a muscle yet can be so valuable to people that need someone to just listen or analyze or calculate. So be aware of those things too. So that gets you through identifying your abilities. Again, you can ask yourself, but it's better if you ask someone who knows you well. Then filter those answers through those three criteria. If they meet all three, then you get a better idea of what kind of skill set you present to the world. Okay, folks, here's where the magic happens in this little mini course. Here's where the rubber meets the road. Now what you need to do is mix and match these interests and abilities to form basic job descriptions. As I've mentioned, you might have an interest in math and ability to teach. Therefore, a math teacher would be a good candidate for you. But most of the time, there isn't a direct relationship between the interest and the ability. Sometimes we have to look a bit harder. So here are a couple ways you can discover jobs through these simple combinations. One, identify the interest as the industry in which you want to go. Then use the ability to identify how you want to bring value to that industry. For instance, if your interest is Marvel Comics and your ability is accounting, maybe your dream job is working as an accountant for Marvel. If your interest is fashion and you have an ability to create really cool social media, maybe you should go after becoming the social media manager for a major fashion company. Two, if you get stuck... Take your interest and ability to a job search site like Indeed.com or Monster.com and put them in the search terms box. Leave the location blank because we want our search to be as broad as possible. See what comes up. And if nothing comes up, don't worry. It means that there isn't an opening at the time. Wait a couple of weeks. Try it again. Results will change from week to week. A couple things to work to watch out for in this process. Make sure that your interest isn't too broad or too specific. For instance, if I said my interest was history, and that means any history of anything, you're going to want to make that more specific. Let's say that your interest is in the Civil War Battle of Chickamauga, though. You're really limiting that amount of opportunity that you're going to be exposed to, so you might want to back out of that to something like history of the Civil War or history of the South. 
So take a minute. No, actually take more than a minute. Write down those things which to you qualify as strong interests and abilities that meet those three criteria. Then start combining them and see what you come up with. Sometimes you can be very surprised at what comes out, but usually you'll also be surprised by what you might not have even considered. Some of these things might be real jobs. Some of these outcomes might be businesses that you should consider starting. Some of them could lead you to success in greater areas of your life outside of just career. And you can have more than one outcome per combination of interest and ability, of course. The result of this is that you'll have a list of possibilities that may or may not agree with you. There will be misses as well as hits. But you've got yourself into a situation where you're combining your interests with the things that you like to do. And the best part about this is that as these opportunities come to you, you can deal more specifically with your interests and abilities in terms of how attracted you are to the possibilities. If your initial answers are good, but just kind of a little bit off, then you'll get an idea of the direction that you want to go by knowing where you don't want to go. Sometimes it's just a matter of finding the right combinations. So that gets you through the first half of our mini course. Go ahead, take a few days really, and do an inventory of those interests and abilities, answer those questions, and see where the possibilities take you. In the next half of the mini course, we'll delve into the third aspect of identifying a dream career by looking at your audience. What's an audience? Well, you have to wait to find out, or just go to the next episode if you want to find out quickly. Thanks for joining us for the launch sequence. Many more episodes here to come, so I hope you'll stick around. Send this to a friend or two. Give us a review wherever you, wherever you download your podcast. We always appreciate those as well. Till then, Bill Priestley quoting Steve Jobs, who famously said, The only way to do great work is to love what you do. I'll see you next time. The Launch Sequence is the official podcast of the Dream Job Factory. For more information, check out our website at dreamjobfactory.com where you can view all of the tools we have to help your child identify a life path. You can also sign up for our newsletter to get the latest podcasts and information in the career discernment space for young people. We also invite you to join our Facebook page at facebook.com slash the dream job factory. This has been the launch sequence, giving your kids the keys to launch their careers.